to my this is you know this is how i am in the classroom i'm like where are my tabs y'all okay here we go so if we go back to we go back to something here okay here we go we're going back to something that's a good start if we go back to the Corley uniform crime report this is the data right and that's available to us and they say to download the data so um and this is what you get right now i want to show you something here okay? if i put into here cities like new york do you notice and let me make this bigger here okay i gotta close this out i was trying to be all dramatic here right okay now if you go and you look for new york city it's not listed right let's say we look for chicago right chicago there's no chicago data in here right there's no philadelphia data in here right so some of the cities that we hear all these stories about right and so forth there are a lot of cities major cities with just you know what some people would see as high crime cities but also just large numbers or high populations of people right and that can impact kind of things like you know the crime rate right if you're looking at you know kind of certain crimes based upon um the crime rate and not just the raw number the rate being let's say you know a certain incident uh by every ten thousand or every hundred thousand people right you know that can uh impact some of that stuff so this is the data so murder rape robbery aggravated assault this equals 73 right so this would be you know uh they basically measure violent crime as these four things right now property crime um they measure these things here okay so that is the data source that a lot of people are using and one thing that's really interesting is um uh, they like different news sources that are kind of talking about this data kind of just keeps citing like it's a like the same kind of article about, that also cited this data right um, I have not played around with this data so I have not calculated percentages or looked at 2020 versus 2021 right um, and so forth but that's the data that they're using um, now one of the things that happens is they're moving let's see here to the ni to the nbirs thing and the reason i said that i'm not sure if that quarterly data is nbirs or srs i don't think don't quote me on this right they don't say that's one of the frustrating things they don't say this is based upon this data right and then they say like you know the quarterly data is based upon this well all of these uh kind of statements and memos that are circulated um online uh by um the fbi and the ucr program they say that srs data will no longer be collected starting january 1st 2021 the quarterly data is for the first couple of months of 2021 so we'd have to kind of maybe deduct that nbirs data is the data that they're using i can't say for certain right one of the things i think is interesting though is that even as um they're not using the nbirs it doesn't follow the hierarchy goal so it includes a lot more activity than um, the hierarchy kind of model um, they collect a lot more data on other activities that they associate as crimes 
They also include more qualitative and situational data. So they ask more about kind of the offender um, uh, and so forth, right? But remember, this data is collected from police forces, right? Um, there's been some uh, conversation about will the switch to MBIRS, what will that mean for making comparisons, right? Will this make it, will crime go up if you can collect more crime data per incident and allow for kind of all of the crimes that were involved in the incident to be included, right? So there's all this debate about what impact will this have? But this also raises questions about how we're evaluating, right? How we're evaluating, um, yes, goodness, how we're evaluating kind of comparisons, right? And this is something, you know, and right now what you're seeing is people saying, you know, crime has gone up exponentially, da, 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 right? One of the things I think is interesting is the FBI warns us about making these comparisons. So they say, since crime is a sociological phenomenon influenced by a variety of factors, the FBI discourages ranking locations or making comparisons, right? But this is what we want to kind of think about. They're saying because we don't want to measure law enforcement effectiveness. What they're basically more concerned about is the use of crime data to judge the police unfairly, right? So, you know, we want to keep in mind, they're giving us a good suggestion, avoid ranking comparisons. Right. We want to kind of think a little bit more about, you know, these kind of, you know, crime is up, crime is down kind of, you know, type of things. But in the end, they're basically saying, we just don't want you to think badly about the police. So this is kind of connected again to the way that the International Association of Police Chiefs were concerned about their reputation as police because of discourses about crime waves. Right. And a lot of times crime data. This is something we're going to think a lot about with CompStat. Crime data conversations are often debates about how effective the police are. And we want to kind of trouble the idea of what does it mean for the police to be effective, right? We're not all on the same page about what we think the role of the police is in the society. And what does it mean when we're trying to get them to be effective, right? What are we actually politically asking for? That's something we also want to be thinking about in the way we're interpreting kind of crime data in relationship to police activity, okay? Now, Let's go back to this presentation, y'all. Okay. About to start my slideshow from the current slide. Here we go. Now, let's go back to this, right? All right. Hate to cut this off, but we are out of time. Uh, again, this has been uh, Tamara K. Knopper, Counting Crime, a lecture on the politics of crime data. You can find that on YouTube as well as our page at weeklyrev.org. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And have a great week, everybody. You can only, you know, funding is
you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm from there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures they've got live comedy to small business advice lgbtq friendly to sports vinyl to gutter punk MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> got Mutiny Mutiny Radio, got a Mutiny Mutiny Radio, got a Mutiny Mutiny Radio, my friend. think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dear, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L W A F L M O Y T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. 5% yeah, Eastern right. Standard I'm time. so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, let's watch full length. Oh, wait, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Oh, Bye. See, uh, see you next month. I was just leaving the theater. Cadillac, convertible, 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. And I was really, really good time. Black, 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 black
Jesus. Your voice is absolutely right. I am Kenny, the boy, and adolescent. And I will cut the Henry. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free, but we'd love to see you every Friday 8 to 10 down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your old tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> All right, I got to get some headphones so I can hear our amazing guest who calls in every week to the Edge of Insanity. And is this, oh, they're not plugged in. Oh! Beauty Radio listeners. Sorry, I'm sorry. We've got a phone call and I've got to work this out. Uh, but I can't hear the phone call because I'm not plugged in to anything. Uh, ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, legend on the phone. Let's see if I can. Can I hear? I still can't hear anything. Why can't I hear anything? What is happening? Uh, hello, hello. All right. Yay. Hey. Is that Christine? Hey, no, Christine isn't here. None of them are here. Um, oh, okay. This is, hi, I'm Pam. Uh, How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing... Um, amazingly, you're calling in all the way from New Jersey? 
And uh, up in New York, up New- in the Catskills. Oh my gosh, in the Catskills, yeah. how Down is the it? Woods. How is it? Uh, are you are you lying in place? What is it called? Sheltering in well, place? Well, yeah, we just stand out of the way, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, but it's funny because I'm looking out the kitchen window at this little road that goes by us here, and it's like. Uh, it's like being the last people on earth, you know. It's no traffic. Well, I know. I'm in this, in San Francisco. It's 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 absolutely it's an absolute ghost town. Everybody is I guess following the instructions oh, yeah. of the stay inside. Are you showing any symptoms or has anything happened to you? No, no. I don't want to tangle with this one. This is a bad boy. Uh, this is a new thing. I don't know what the hell it's all about, but it's not like any flu that we saw, so I'm just uh, staying out of the way, like playing dodgeball. Yeah, and you're just yeah. chilling up in the Catskills. What are you getting uh, things delivered to you, or how's it? Oh how's it no, working? we just make a quick run. We don't shop often, and uh, just go in town, put a little tripper on, a little mask thing, and a glove, you know, and uh, stay out of you know, don't breathe on people. So we're we're pretty good citizens as a rule. How about you? You staying careful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I'm not really in in connection with I've been here I've been going back and forth to the station from my house but I live in the Tenderloin and nothing has changed like there's uh, still well the thing is that what are they going to oh now tents have to be 6 feet apart from each other there's like there's no difference yeah. where I live people are still the exact same people are still outside and have nowhere to go yeah people are inside. Yeah. there's still poop on the street I mean, oh, the, yes. the only different thing is um, people are smiling a lot more at each other. I find so. Yeah. And I, I found I was talking with my niece, and I told her, I said, it seems people are being nicer. You got people making masks at home and making things on a 3D, uh, whatever they do yeah, digitally and all, you know. Sure. And, and, and most people are really being cool about this and helpful. And I thank anybody. I got to go over and get stuff for my son at right age, you know, and stuff. And those people, everybody's taking a chance who's working in them joints, Pam. Absolutely. They're they're putting it right up there. And so I, I hold a little mask over my face, you know. I ain't worried about it. me getting it, as I just don't want them to think they're going to get anything from me. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't have any symptoms, and that's, uh, that's cool. And uh, <laughs> if I get them... Uh, I wouldn't have much chance of getting in one of them special beds and shit. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, I'm an old dude, and uh, that's the way it should be, you know. Well, that's uh, a nice and, way of you to think it. That. Well, yeah, I mean, if it becomes, I get a respirator, or, you know, or some guy 49 years old who's got two kids he's trying to put through college or some shit, uh, you know. Um, I'm at the 88-mile marker oh, here. Wow. What the hell? So, I mean, shit. A lot of people that sign a contract for that, uh, if they could in front say, you know, because it's a surprise. Uh, It's a surprise to me to become, they used to say, you ain't going to be 21, Carl, and you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I was young and wild. I mean, I'm (laughs) 45. Young and wild, dude. But but if you get lucky, if you're you're lucky and and you get to be an old fart or, uh, you know, you got to know. 
you got to be sensible about shit. Well, you're but, I'm uh, I'm half your age. I'm I'm 45. I'm a little less than half your age. Oh, but, you're brand new. Yeah. Yeah, right. I still feel like I'm 21. I honestly there oh. are times when I just do you experience that as well where that'll keep you young, Pam. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that'll keep you young because right? you can't help it. Uh, I haven't grown up yet. They used to say to my mother when they go to school, he's so immature, Mrs. Carlin. <laughs> he really shouldn't be with these other boys that are older than he is and shit. But it was their fault, you know. They kicked me out of second grade and then sent me to boarding school and they wouldn't take it unless you were in third grade, so but they moved you, me ahead. What did you do to get to get kicked out of school in second grade? Oh, I, I call him none a son of a bitch and bastard. Wow! <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's they it? They didn't like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so they so kicked I, you out of the, of the Catholic grade. school. And they second grade. It was second like, grade. Holy, the name of the place was Holy Child Academy, oh, which I think was kind of ironic. Sure. It was a funny place to send me because I was an asshole before I ever got to school. <laughs> and it just... That just compounded. Well, okay, but it, give know. me an example. What was an asshole thing? Because I, I don't think. How can a well, second grader like be an I'm asshole? Well, here, like I'm three and a half. Okay. Okay. And my mother has me dressed up like little Lord Fauntleroy with a Eton collar and all this bullshit. And it was when my father and my mother were together, and he was making big money in 1936 when everybody else was on their ass. You sure. Know? We're and we're living with a doorman and a fucking elevator operator and shit like this. And I'm going down on the elevator with my mother. And this nice lady pets me on the head and says, what a nice little boy. What is your name? And I looked up at her and I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, she says, uh. Uh, my mother starts to, you know, uh, cop out for me. Oh, he hears the garbage men say that and the truck drivers, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, my father says that all the time. Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that's what I mean about being an asshole. Well, it, you, comes, it comes natural for a lot of it us. It sounds like you had an entitled, you had an entitled youth, and... I guess oh, that's yeah. just what comes from that when you have a doorman when you're three and everywhere you go in the rest of the world. I mean, I wonder what the kids right now are going to, the kids that are like oh, three cool. or five. Everybody, everybody adapts. It's just a guess what life is. It's just adapting, man. Right. We left him when I was five years old and George was like two months old. Wow. And it was, a, it was the best thing that ever happened. I never looked back. Huh. I didn't. I didn't get along with the guy, you know. Well, but did you go from being super rich to being just, poor, or what happened? Was, no, we you... weren't poor. My mom got a gig cool. uh, as a uh, executive secretary, which she had before, and she and my aunt set up the apartment, and they brought the two of us up, and never missed a meal in my fucking life. That's great. Wow, yeah, that's such so, feminism at a time when wow, that's so fucking progressive. Oh, like, like before nineteen forty. That's when they insane. talk about all that empowerment and all that, my my mother was didn't wait to be empowered. Right. My mother just was power. Sure. She was little, but she had a great opinion of herself and was not afraid to speak up and uh, and and was capable at what she did. Yeah. And so she got kicked out of Catholic school. I don't know, you know. <laughs> When uh, too much uh, bracelets and lipstick and stuff like that, and uh, they sent her to uh, Washington Irving, a public school. This is New York City, sure. and this would be back like around. Uh, 
She was born in 1896, so that would be around nine, early 1900s. Sure. You know? Wow. Like pre yeah, so when she, stuff. Fun when times. she uh, graduated high school, she went six, mo six months to uh, a little business school. She learned uh, steno and uh, typing. And then she didn't go look for a gig. She put an ad in the editor and publisher magazine, a, a, a thing for the ad people way back then, way, way back. And it said, a position wanted executive secretary. Wow, so yeah. progressive. <laughs> she put it out there, man. She created her own media before yeah, there was oh, yeah. even... She just, she had a good opinion of herself. That's great. And she was very capable. She could size people up. Wow. Yeah, yeah she knew... <laughs> You know, she knew a lot, and uh, she stimulated George's mind and my mind yeah. with words and shit, you know. Sure. But we weren't out to be good boys, so that didn't that part didn't work well, for Well, that's her. good, because being good is boring. Who wants to be <laughs> well, boring? Well, it, it was not our natural way. Sure. It was, the natural thing for me was anywhere, anytime I went to a new school or anytime I was in the service or anytime I changed job, whatever... I, I, I'm in with the assholes on the second day at work. <laughs> Were you in World War II? No. Okay. Korea time was our trip. Korea. You were in Korea. No, not me, man. Oh, not okay. me. No, they lied. I thought I was going to be a gunner. I joined the Air Force to be a gunner. But gunnery school had been closed for two years. The recruiting sergeant lied. That's <laughs> such a funny trip. And I don't give a shit. I had a lot of fun for four years. I had a lot of fun. Nobody shot at me. Wow. <laughs> no, I was an Air Force radar operator. Oh. I was nothing. I was a, like a PFC and an Airman Basic and a PFC and an Airman Basic and a Boop. 10 days a sergeant, kept court-martial, busted. But I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I had Did a you, lot of fun, Was man. it those sounds? Did you just constantly hear boop? Uh, they were Boop. caused by me having Beep. fun in town. Getting drunk and being young and wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, well, it's funny now because we see the military in such a different light, and I don't oh, think yeah. that. Do you like to read? Oh, I read a lot, yeah. Yeah. Well, then do yourself a big favor, and I'm telling you, man, get a book from Amazon called Highway 23. Highway 23. By Which Patrick war is it about? Garland. Patrick Garland. That's me. That's you, Patrick Carlin. Yeah. You wrote a yeah. book? I wrote this book, you yeah. You wrote a book? Oh, my God. And it's a goofer. It's a goofer, man. It's I stole a whole lot of shit from my own life. Well, it's and, your life. And, you know, my own time in the service. But I made him a little bit nicer guy. So it's a uh, fiction uh, book. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, what do they call it? It's almost a memoir. Right, fictional memoir. They just Except I, I, didn't, I, I made him like 90% asshole. <laughs> but it was fun writing it and people who read it like it patrick carlin tell us the name of the book again i'm gonna it's highway on 23 highway 23 and, and that's and, a highway in michigan that runs from ann arbor up the side where michigan looks like a little mitten sure then by saginaw bay and all like that and that's where we would have our fun on our off-duty time all right. And uh, it's a nice story. It's a love story. Sweet. And uh, the favorite person, as you read this book, Pam, you will love Joan's mother. All right. Lady named Jill. And she sees the worth in, uh, she sees the worth in Joan's 
boyfriend. Loser, loser boyfriend. Who's in the service. <laughs> loser <laughs> asshole boyfriend. Rather than in the frat house. 90% asshole. But she sees the good in them, you know. Yeah. And she's, a, she's been down the trail herself. And it's a lot of good mother-daughter shit in there. Cool. And, I mean, it's not just a guy's thing. It's, it's a hell of a nice story. I really like it. When, did you, I, when did you write this? I wrote it uh, a couple of years ago when we got back here. But we came back in 1996, and I said, I'm, I want to write a book, you yeah. know. So uh, I did that. And how, then long did if it, you, how long did it take you to write? I'm just curious because I used to write. Oh, I took my time on it, but because it just spilled out when it got time to really do it. It mm. was very easy. And I remembered things from Alaska, like the tunes we played up there. You know, because you wind up in Alaska if you have too much fun in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they send you. They send you from the worst, coldest place to somewhere. It's it's cold, but I guess prettier. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you have fun there. You always have your own kind of fun no matter what they do. It's a, it's an amazing thing. Oh, hey, I agree with that. This has been yeah, the most fun it, apocalypse ever. It, it works ever. out, you know. And I'm going to put you, since you're a reader, I want to put you on another trip if, you're, if your head is really bizarre. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, now, this one, that, that, that Amazon one, I don't know what that cost, maybe 15 or 20 oh, bucks. I've got or money on my PayPal. It's a regular it's book that you get yeah. to hold in your hand and keep. Yeah, I like that stuff. Yeah, I do too. I'm, but my other one I'm going to apologize for. It's the only thing I got. It's called Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill. And this is on Kindle. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's only $4.99, Pam. That's a steal. Oh, it is, because I'm going to tell you what's in it. There are seven different short stories in there. Oh, I love short stories. That I have this one-eyed bartender in Quinn's Bar and Grill at 125th and Broadway in New York City. He hooks up with this chick from Kansas who's a hippie running a stash house. And uh, they're back, we're in the 70s. The steel ball is getting ready to swing on Quinn's Bar and Grill uh, in January 1978. And the bartender wants to get everybody together. Meanwhile, his little girlfriend, uh, Allison Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, crazy. man. Oh, I goofed with this. I, this is definitely worth four dollars and ninety nine cents, oh, and smoke yeah. a big joint before you get into <laughs> it. Uh, they smoke reefer all through this trip, and it takes place in a bar that that that's just I made it up out of these other bars we hung in. It's like the Moylan where George hung out at, sure. and uh, you know Grippos and the Five Hundred Club where we hung out, because they're basically West Side bars. And uh, the people in there, every kind of people are in there, you know. It yeah. ain't just all Irish. I love it's bar everything. stories. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time in bars as well, so. Oh, well, you would, you've got to get Quinn's Bar and Grill. Quinn's Bar and Grill. Kindle, four ninety nine. Yeah, and, it's a steal. Oh, yeah, again by me, you know, Patrick. And the Patrick thing is Garth? on that, Pam, yeah. that on this Quinn's Bar and Grill, I didn't know. If you're into writing and you're into reading and shit, you'll get a kick out of this. I, after after Highway 23, I wrote a thing called Kien Fucking Sabe, <laughs> which it's just uh, it's just scraps and shit that I wrote, but it's all it's all goofy shit in there. But it's not like a novel. There's no story to it. It's like essays and thoughts and sure. uh, it's it's an interesting little thing. 
And uh, but when I got to Quinn's, I had these short stories, and you can't. I said, I don't want to just have a book of bullshit. So I took it. I incorporated the short stories into my main plot. Oh, rad. Yeah, That's man. And I got a professor dude who's not a real professor. He's just a guy who knows a whole lot of shit about a whole lot of different things, you know? Yeah. And he's bounced around here and there, and he's a buddy of the bartender. So the bartender lays these stories on him to read. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah so you I found put a story a in a story. It, that's great. Yeah, so they do that shit, and then all these crazy poems and shit that I've written over the years and didn't know what to do with. That's so smart. I threw some of them in there as things that Allison writes, but then early on in the story, I have poetry night in uh, in Greenwich Village, New York, which would be like Frisco's uh, uh, North Beach. you know the uh, the yeah. gay district. We're, yeah, sure. Castro or in North Beach, there's yeah, a lot like of poets. Castro, stuff. City, yeah, Castro. Yeah, okay, it would be like that. And this is this is down in Greenwich Village, and uh, and he and the girl go down there for a, a poetry thing that she wants to be in, and she writes she reads her poem. Uh, Hopelessness is not a bummer. It's just a guitar strummer. And the band cuts in, and the band is like a riff on the New York Dolls. And uh, it's a, it's just a whole very trippy thing for weird people. Yeah, hey, a way to I love poetry, and if you're working poetry into the book, that's that's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a double treat. It's yeah. a double treat, man. Yeah, and then when she's on the run, she also gets into a trip with a, a dude uh, who's you know living up the mountains, but he's not into religion. He's just a, he's a guy like a Dalai Lama, but he's strictly not into religion. <laughs> And he's got a big bin there, the the secret of life bin. And if you're stupid enough to ask the meaning of the secret of life, you get a little capsule and you read it like a like a fortune cookie, and it might say life is about not getting caught. Ah. And after that's after contemplation and all. So there's a lot of humor in it, and it's they're both real good things to read. I'm I'm so glad I. Yay! Talk to you today. I was just uh, I was just reading this morning about Frank O'Hara and in the New School, uh, the New York New School Poets, and that he got run over by a dune buggy in on Fire Island. Isn't that wow. crazy? Like he was forty years old and he was on Fire Island partying it up, and he got hit by a dune buggy and died. And he died. <laughs> yeah. And he was uh, like this. He was this poet in the, in the you know late fifties, early sixties. I know, but I just I just love poetry, and I'm I, that's oh, so good exciting. for you. Yeah, yeah because so cool. I got a lot of uh, uh, I got these poems, and I assign them to different poets who get up there to do their trip at this uh, Halloween poetry festival in Greenwich Village. Yeah. And uh, like one uh, one guy gets up and he says. Uh, I was sitting by the river watching last night's condoms float on their way to Madagascar or some other place remote. Oh, that's great. When I saw two turds break surface through a growing oil slick, and I thought, Jesus fucking Christ, the Hudson River's sick. <laughs> Isn't that a nice little ditty? That's great. <laughs> I love it. It's accessible. It has rhyme. It's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I got some yeah. fucked up shit in there, man. Hell and yeah. uh, I got, you know, I got women. I got a woman in there, and I got, she's like a militant chick. And she says, you start out your morning with a 62-ounce quick freezy, and then you eat that beef jerky and this and that. Now you're sick and you want me to pay your hotel bills. What the fuck are you, crazy? <laughs> it, <laughs> it sounds, like it sounds Bukowski-esque, oh, it's your a, character. It's a, like... It was a cathartic for me. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Oh, I could, I could recommend those two things very Hell highly yeah. to you, Patrick Carlin, if you're listening. This is usually the Edge of Insanity. Uh, they're not here today, but... Patrick still called in because he's awesome, and we've had this really fun conversation. I can't believe you're 88. You're I like, can't either. <laughs> I can't either. But you're so like you're you belie your age with your voice and your quickness and your cleverness. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm well, just, like they said, wow. he's so immature. <laughs> I'm do waiting you, to grow up, man. Do you actually feel like that in your mind, though? Do you feel like oh, you're yeah. still? You're oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. Give me hope. Yeah, I guess it's where your head is at, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got a baton in the back seat of my car. <laughs> if they do road rage on me, I'll teach them some stunts. <laughs> do you uh do you still party? Uh, I only smoke reefer and oh, shit. Okay. okay. And I uh, and I, I hang out over with at Levon's uh studio up here where they have bands and not because now it's not happening but they have bands in and stuff, and I like musicians. I can't play a lick, but I like to listen. Sure. So it's not like really uh, a partying time, because I've been married, wow, we've been married about 60-something years. Oh, oh yeah, so uh, I'm a home guy. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah you're nested. what the fuck. Yeah, I, I, you know, if you got a wife, you sure as shit don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> How can you have both? I mean, yeah, it's impossible I mean, to know, please one woman. I, I used to two. look at these pictures like Goodfellas, and they would have Thursday night would be girlfriend night for the guys in the in the uh, outfit and stuff like that, you know. And uh, it's tragic, really. They had one. It was it was uh, these these mafia stories are beautifully done, you know. And if you're in New York City and you you bumped into the guys here and there and you know and, and uh, it, it, when they're, they're, I love the sentimentality of like the guy is there with his chick and his old lady has put him they become estranged because he's such such a ballbuster and Jerry Vale I don't know if you know his voice but it's a beautiful beautiful voice and he's singing. Pretend you don't see her, my heart. Da -dee -da 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 -da. You know? Well, it's so and easy so to be romantic movies, with a girlfriend. These, oh, they're good stuff. They're good. There's a lot of, lot of tragic love affairs and shit, you know? Sure. And if you're lucky, you know, when you're young and you're bouncing around, uh, you get your heart broken and shit like that. And then you get well quick. I mean... You get well... Falling in love is a lot of fun. Oh, so. yeah. But they're like, uh, it's like having a cat. Eventually it's going to die and you're going to have to bury it. That, yeah, yeah. The, you got to let the bodies fall where they may. Yeah. And those bodies are going to fall you'll somewhere. See, you'll see in Highway 23, Pam, that Eddie Flynn believes the same thing I do when he tells her. First comes lust, then comes love. See, and I, yeah. I see that even in my situation me and Marlene married 62 years and uh, when I first seen her 
I didn't think, oh, wow, I'd sure like to discuss nuclear physics with you. <laughs> Fair. Absolutely yeah. fair. Yeah, I looked across that bar, and I said, oh, oh I want some of that. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then you go after it. And then, then lust, uh, lust settles after a while. And uh, love sets in over the years. Love, you know, when the people say I'm in love and they're young, they don't mean I'm in love. They mean I want to fuck you. Right, sure. And then that's it's, it's nice. That's good. That's where it starts. You know, so I'm pretty realistic about a lot of shit. Isn't that funny, though, because religion says that sex is where it ends. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, you do all these things. You do all these things, and you have to do all these things in order to have the sex, as opposed to... Well, I'll tell you about religion. When you get to Highway 23, Eddie talks to Joan, because while he's in Alaska, uh, she had a car accident just before he went and all so she's being and she's not going to Michigan University she's at a Catholic place almost like a almost like a nunnery and uh, he gives her a little he tells her all about religion when he gets back from Alaska and she understands to me personally just as a person it's it's the cruelest hoax that that mankind has played on himself oh sure yeah. It's just bullshit. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's just fucking pure bullshit, it's man. That, it's that we, that, but we like the hoax. I think that we I like do. a they story do. and we like fantasy. And yeah. it's easier oh, for you're people. You're on it, Pam. Right? It's easier to love a fantasy or to experience a fantasy than it is. Because like, like you said, lust is a fantasy. Love yeah. is real. And so if you, you know, it's almost like religion is a, is a lust. Yeah. That you have yeah. to fulfill so that you're not scared of dying ah that's the whole thing with the coronavirus right now i'm like you know i confront my own mortality all the time i'm scared of dying constantly so good for you that's that's just being realistic yeah well and i'm trying to live all my moments to like you know i could get hit by a bus but so now with all this corona stuff i'm like we could die we could die i'm like yeah and it's the same as five minutes ago like all of us could die like Anything yeah. could happen. And you tell them it's not we could die. You will die. Yeah, we're all, yeah, exactly. <laughs> eventually, eventually you're going to go away, man. Right. Uh, something's going to get you. And, uh, or you're just going to unwind. you just be so goddamn old that you just, everything shuts down. Sure. And that's cool, too. But, uh, but you got to look at that. I'm, I'm, I've been very fatalistic uh, for the past few years. And we, we think about it. And, uh, not in a, a way, it's just a way that it's going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. When my brother died in 08, man, that was uh, that was a very heavy scene for me. I'd known him since he was born. Yeah. You know? And it really tore me up. I mean, I just was really, really torn apart. But uh, he made it so nice in his will. He had stuff like rock and roll music that he wanted played. Wow. And he wanted us to wear bright colors and yeah. stuff like that. And he had everywhere that he wanted his uh, ashes to be distributed. Sure. He wanted some down by the Bonsoir Club down in Greenwich Village and some up in the neighborhood where he smoked his first joint. Rad. And uh, some up where he was at camp when he was a kid and he won a little drama thing. Every summer he would win as a, as in a, some kind of things of kids singing or telling sure, sure, jokes or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, and so we he made his funeral uh, like a happy occasion yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, for all of us that were distributing his ashes, man. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, Kelly had the ashes in the urn, and we went around, and uh, uh, we a buddy of ours from a bar where he hung out, and we all were smoking joints, and it was just a, it was a send-off for him, like, you know, yeah, what the hell. So that's how I'd want he, to be. Uh, he was always he was thoughtful. Yeah. Even in death, he was thoughtful to make it a, a different thing than just standing there in a black suit. Right, and feeling sad. Yeah. He told you what to yeah, feel, he, and he, he said, feel happy. He had style. George had style, and he, you know, he never forgot that I was his bro. Hell yeah. And uh, we really enjoyed each other, and then he's gone. I talk to his spirit every day. Right on. I talk to his fucking spirit, so, and and I, my mom and all I these memories, that's all I, some guy, a famous guy said, life is just memories. Uh-huh. And one of these guys in Bartlett's book of quotations or something like that, so, so that's, that's where well, that's at. I, I believe, I believe too that, um, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, but I believe no. that, I believe that thought is real, and that any time you think about somebody who's dead, because they're your there. thought is re- real, then they're alive. So yes. So any yes. remember. So when you have a book, and w- when I read Highway Twenty Three, you live forever in my brain and in that book and in that connection, because it's and a half life of memory sort of dissipates. But You're on the that's money. how we. I feel like it's people are still around. I oh mean, yeah. Anytime oh, yeah. you listen to a comedy album or you watch a movie or you read a book or you listen to a podcast or you read oh, a letters yeah. that someone wrote that your mother wrote to you in 1942 or something. Oh, yeah. You're, you're on the money. Yeah, you're awakening that in your mind. That Therefore, that person still exists. They're still around because your thoughts are real. So Yes, you're yeah. right there. So this is wonderful that you have this program, Pam. Well, uh, this is this is the edge of insanity. I'm just here because it's the COVID-19, and I'm here for the Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike and Carl at 2 well, o'clock. what do you do? Well, they pre-recorded, and so I'm just going to press play at 2 o'clock. Oh, um, but what do you do, Pam? Oh, I own the station. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, this is my... That's a wonderful outlet. No, let me tell yeah. you something. Uh, I enjoy Paul because he just lets me rip, yeah. you know, and we do our thing. And uh, I'm so happy to find that you own that station because you have an outlet there for uh, uh, things that I would like to do uh, toward helping old people uh, not get dementia. Well, I mean, right. uh, I've I, got a thing together where I do about two hours or so of tunes that are new and old both because you got old people and then you got Guatemalan caregivers there pushing their wagons around. Yeah. And so uh, right behind right behind something like Roll Out the Barrel, I might play something called uh, 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 Quien Sabe right on. by Christian Mayer, M-E-I-E-R, and he's Argentinian. Rad. But it's got that big boom, boom, that good beat, and all of that stuff. So uh, it's a it's a great program toward jogging the old minds from yesteryear to now. And all of a sudden, Stevie Wonder will jump in doing an old thing like Yester Me, Yester You. So I mean, it's a good and, program and idea and all. Absolutely and music. my dream is to have that going into all the places where the old people are at. 100%. 
because yeah, it triggers uh, their what memory. What would you, if you call it? Like when they used to syndicate a program? Yeah, they, they still could. Hey, if you want to send, send me the music, I'll play it on Mutiny Radio. I, I think that's really exciting because if you're triggering people's memories and making them think, when we allow people to passively imbibe images all the time, it's like eating applesauce. It's just mush. And so we're not engaging our brains and not even, I think even reading out loud to people is more important than vapidly imbibing the images that TV just feeds us and or uh. Netflix or, because if you, even if even if you aren't able to read the book with your own eyes anymore, you're still hearing the words and creating pictures in your mind from those uh-huh. like bits of code, and and you're engaging your brain, and and we have to continue doing that, otherwise, what's the? It does just slip away. I, I don't know. Dementia is the scariest thing for me because I can't imagine not being able to think, you know, like, uh-huh. <laughs> deeply about things. That would be, I, I don't know. That's just a scary. I know what Pam. Pam, I know what you're saying. Dig this. This is from the other morning. I do, every morning I do a set of 13 tunes home here. And I don't play them or anything yet because I'm waiting for just the right format here. And we were going to have some people open a place here on Easter. But, you know, that's just not going to happen. But the other morning after I played my first set, I smoked a little joint. And I came back and it was 8.40 a.m. So I said, 8.40? Hmm, that's twice 420. And I started out with, I jumped right into Brother Lee with Citizen Cope, and I followed up with AM Radio, Everclear, and I went back then to Making Thunderbirds by Bob Seger. Oh, wow. The big line moved one mile an hour so bad it really hurt. And then from that, I went to Yester Me, Yester You with Stevie Wonder. Then I went to Roll Out the Barrel by the Old Timers. Palisades Park by Freddie Cannon, and Live and Let... Oh, then I got into... uh, I slid into the Beatles with Live and Let Die by McCartney. Nobody told me there'd be days like this by Lennon. And Photograph by Ringo, Bangladesh from the live concert by George Harrison, and I ended up with Blue Jay Way. And Blue Jay Way, when I was a limo driver back around 1980, I parked up on Blue Jay Way and smoked a joint in honor of the Beatles. Yeah. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. And that's what stimulates my mind, see? While I played those things, the next thing I played was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And that's when me and my wife and our kids, they were little then, they were like 10 and 8. And we came down from Vermont to visit my mom and aunt. And we were smoking a joint in the kitchen, playing an old Beatles cassette, uh, because this was, like I said, around 1975. And and my mom comes in the kitchen, and we got her loaded without her knowing it, like a contact (laughs) high. We blew smoke on her and all. And she was into poetry, Pam. She was into poetry, too. And she says... Oh, I didn't never knew those Beatle boys wrote such beautiful lyrics. <laughs> so Mom had a nice, got a nice load on without knowing it, you know. That's great, and and those memories that those songs would trigger those really vibrant memories. That's what they do, yeah. see, Pam. That's yeah. where that's what I'm telling you. And you're yeah. on the money yeah. because uh, when I see that, I see the uh, the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, next time I played "Happy Days" or "Here Again." Oh, yeah. And uh, that's and then you got you got people you never heard of. I got a freaky tune for you that will. It's called Solar Pilgrim. 
And it's by a guy called Twain. That's all the name is, is Twain, T-W-A-I-N. And it is the dreamiest song. If you want to, like... I'm going to look it up on YouTube right now, Solar Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. And then we have to get your last thoughts because... Uh, coming a, up at two o'clock is yeah. Is let's watch a full-length movie. So what was that again? It was Solar Solar Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And the dude's name is Twain. T W A I N. So think about all this shit. Yeah. And uh, keep uh, keep my home phone number here. Sweet. Uh, it's what is it? It's eight four five. Eight four five. Six eight four. Six eight four. Five one five two. Rad! You just gave that over the internet. <laughs> oh yeah. Everybody, I'm if you want to call think... Patrick Carlin and talk to him about the future or the past or songs, it sounds like yeah, you've got a... his number now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there amazing. you go. <laughs> I am or if you so... want to tell me to go fuck myself, I don't care. Oh no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm sure that's what everyone's doing now, right? Thank you so much for calling. I'm so glad that I was here to accept the call, and it's such an honor to speak to you. And oh, I can't wait listen, to read your that's book. that's a two-way street, Pam. And we're going to play I'm just pilgrim. happy that I, I met someone whose head is as fucked up as mine. Hell yeah! So yeah. that's very wonderful. And you have a beautiful time now, and we'll, I'll tell Paul all about this Thank shit. you so much. Well, we've got it. I'm going to put it on oh, the night playlist so was everyone mine. can hear. Thank you so sell much, Patrick Carlin. for me. <laughs> Hey, everybody, that was Patrick Carlin, uh, brother of now uh, R.I.P. George Carlin, and that was right. You're listening to Mutiny Radio, 6 o'clock on a Monday, DJ Time for Joke Workshop, and today will be some semblance of Joke Workshop. Your host, Pam Benjamin, I'm joined by Pancake. And Jonathan's hanging out. We're going to have some calls. We have some scheduled calls coming in. We have Shane Kenny and Aaron Lewis. Also, Elizabeth Stanton from British Columbia and Jen Perez. All scheduled to call in. We're going to talk for 15 minutes, tell jokes, take notes, see what they want to, if they're working on stuff or not, whatever. And uh, yeah, that's the plan. The phone number is 415-550-0511. You can give us a call after 705. We're going to get through all of our comedians. If you hear beep, beep in the background, that's because somebody is calling. We we don't have call waiting on our landline here at MutinyRadio.fm. But we do have a landline. So in the coming apocalypse, that's something to note, I guess. (laughs) You can always call us. uh, Phone tree. Five five zero zero five one one. What fun tree? What's a fun tree? A phone tree. Oh, a phone tree. Yeah, so we can relay information to people, um, and we usually, if there's an emergency, we have to like call outside of the state because all the circuits in in here will be busy. Mm. So call out state and have someone that we can re- rely uh, rely on to pick up a phone. And then relay information, and then have that person be uh, ready to receive other phone calls and give information to people who are calling them. Because the internet's gonna go down. Everything, <laughs> everything, everything. Phones are different though, and All if right, the elect- 
electricity goes out, we still have phones. All right, 415-550-0511. That's happening. Uh, th uh, throughout the entire background here today, I'm just going to be... Uh, there it is. Just Bob Marley playing on a forever loop. Don't worry about a thing. Three little birds. But be prepared. Yeah, I mean, be prepared. But don't worry. Be prepared. I mean... This is this is a, this has been an, a really great time for me. I mean, uh, you know, I've been I've been dealing with some issues of anorexia, and what a time to be anorexic, you know, during the apocalypse when you have don't have access to food anyway. Ha <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> I win. I'll just keep getting thinner. I'm like, God, I look great in the apocalypse. 